Hello again, and welcome back to the Slow Flowers Podcast with Deborah Prinzing, episode 478. This is the weekly podcast about American flowers and the people who grow and design with them. It's all about making a conscious choice, and I invite you to join the conversation and the creative community as we discuss the vital topics of saving our domestic flower farms and supporting a floral industry that relies on a safe, seasonal, and local supply of flowers and foliage. This podcast is brought to you by slowflowers.com, the free nationwide online directory to florists, shops, and studios who design with American-grown flowers, and to the farms that grow those blooms. It's the conscious choice for buying and sending flowers. Our first sponsor thanks goes to Johnny's Selected Seeds, an employee-owned company that provides our industry with the best flower, herb, and vegetable seeds supplied to farms large and small, and even backyard cutting gardens like mine. Find the full catalog of flower seeds and bulbs at johnnysseeds.com. I'm so honored today to welcome Portland wedding designer, Joy Proctor, owner of Joy Proctor Design. Joy is internationally recognized and named a top wedding designer by Harper's Bazaar and Brides Magazine. In June, Joy and a group of friends, artists, designers, and craftspeople came together in a grassroots effort to create the first Say Their Names Memorial in Portland, Oregon. The photographic and floral tribute used art to honor hundreds of black men, women, and young people whose lives were taken unjustly by systemic racism and racial injustice. It was first installed on June 19th, also known as Juneteenth or Freedom Day, a holiday celebrating the emancipation of those who had been enslaved in the United States. The Say Their Names Memorial has grown into a nationwide initiative, and it has been put up in over 25 locations since then. Joy's aim is to use the memorial to facilitate conversation around systemic racism while honoring those whose lives have been taken by it. I also want to acknowledge the amazing work and passion of Dallas creatives Alicia and Adam Rico, fellow wedding designer friends and colleagues of Joy's, and Slow Flowers members who own Bows and Arrows. I first learned about the Say Their Names Memorial Project through their efforts in Dallas, Austin, and other communities. You'll also meet a second guest today, Karen Thornton of the Slow Flowers team, who was inspired to bring the Say Their Names Memorial to the Seattle area. On October 20th, Karen and I finally met Joy in person, along with her sister Elise Proctor and their colleague Stacy Fetter. When the three of them drove from Portland to Kirkland, Washington, outside of Seattle, to spend a day lending their support to the local installation. For this podcast, I've invited Joy and Karen to speak about this project and share how they, as passionate and gifted wedding and corporate event professionals, respectively, are using beauty and art to raise awareness, change attitudes, and protest injustice in their communities and beyond. You'll hear more about the Kirkland, Washington Say Their Names Memorial, which continues on display through the month of November. Check out the links to view a map where the portraits and flowers are on display at six places of worship across the community of Kirkland. Before we get started, here's a bit more about Joy Proctor. 
Since starting in the wedding business in 2007, Joy's reputation and projects have led to her current reputation as one of the most highly sought-after creative directors in the world, known for producing original, inventive concepts. She is designed for many brands and publications in search of new, beautiful, and innovative ideas. From concept to creation, Joy and her team produce visual campaigns, branded content, and editorial features for elegant and discerning clientele. As a well-regarded prop and photo stylist, Joy is known for the styling of details for photo and prestigious publications. With the aim of styling everything like it were a magazine feature, she takes photo design very seriously, creating a timeline, shot list, and production plan to ensure the best shots. She provides props and backgrounds to perfectly capture the client's design in its best light. Joy's styling work appears on the cover of the first Style Me Pretty book, Style Me Pretty Weddings. She has designed and styled weddings and events in Madagascar, Italy, Provence, France, the resort town of Telluride, the Cotswolds, Thailand, and beyond. Let's jump right in and meet Joy Proctor. I'll have links to all of her social places, a few juicy photos of her work, and most importantly, links to more details on supporting and sustaining the Say Their Names Memorial Project. Welcome back to the Slow Flowers Podcast with Deborah Prinzing, and I am thrilled today to welcome Joy Proctor. She's an international wedding designer based in Portland, Oregon, and uh, someone I've gotten to know this year, so I I begged her to come on the podcast. Hi, Hi Joy. Great to have you. (laughs) Thank you. Yeah, I'm so glad to be here. Yes. So uh, we were just talking before we started recording about what a year it's been. And what brought us together is that I was so uh, inspired by your work launching the Say Their Names Memorial, uh, which originated in Portland, where you are, that I invited you and one of your good friends, Alicia Rico and her husband, Adam, to be on a, um, a one of our Slow Flowers virtual meetups this past July to hear about it. Yeah. And uh, uh Alicia and Adam own Bows and Arrows and they're members of Slow Flowers. So, you know, I kind of found you through them. Mm. And I'm wondering if we can just start by talking about the Say Their Names Memorial, describing what it is to people and we'll have photos to share and then we'll we'll get into weddings and flowers later on. Yeah, sure. So the Say Their Names Memorial is, I would call it, we started calling it a grassroots initiative um, to basically honor Black lives taken by systemic racism and racial injustice. Um, And we started it here in Portland um, kind of as a result of this whole social justice movement um, that really took off after the unfortunate death of George Floyd. Um, I, I found myself with a whole lot more time this year as a result of COVID and um, I had a local grower here in Portland who had um, beautiful roses, uh, Tangled Roots is her name, Nancy. Mm-hmm. And she said, Joy, I've got these gorgeous David Austins that are gonna be ready like middle of June. Um, do you have anything you'd like to do with them? 
And I, and I think at that point, you know, having known her through the wedding um, industry, she was thinking, you know, a shoot or something, but, um, you know, having spent time um, protesting and being part of the movement, I thought, gosh, is there some way that we can weave these flowers in, Um, you know, and as, as you know, as a result of COVID, it's like, there are all of these flower farmers with lots of beautiful product and not, not so much to do with them. And so I was happy to, to come up with a creative way to kind of weave these two things together. Um, and so decided that we would use them to make a memorial. Um, and so that's, that's kind of how it all began. Oh, my gosh. And that was um, just a few months ago. But I feel like you've, your whole life has changed because of this one gesture yeah. of honoring uh, the lives lost that, you know, you were, you're right, was so entwined with the death of George Floyd and the protests against systemic racism. Yeah. And here there's this physical display that you and your your friends uh, and mm-hmm. your sister created in Portland. So can you describe how that came together? Because it was it's portraits and flowers, right? Correct. Exactly. So after I had this idea, um, we were kind of thinking, OK, so when do we do this? That was kind of the first part. And we realized that Juneteenth was right around the corner. And so we thought, let's let's do it for Juneteenth. And then we went back and thought, okay, where do we get these pictures? (laughs) Because the idea, I think for me, at least in the beginning was, can I merge what I've done in events, which is create beautiful things? Can I merge that with this idea of this memorial? Um, And for me, the visual was important. And so bringing the visuals of all of these people who had sadly lost their lives was important. And I felt you know, just seeing, you know, how names are, there's this call and repeat that happens during protests. I really just wanted so much for people to see the faces of these names that they were saying, but also just realize that there's lots of names that they don't say um, and that we don't know. And so our next task was let's, let's go find all these pictures. And so we naively, you know, Google, um, you know, Googled and tried to find some, some site. And at that point there was no site that, that was exhaustive. Um, and so we did a bunch of research to find mm. I think, about 175 names, um, uh, and read, uh, way too many just heart-wrenching stories, um, to come up with pictures, 175 mm. pictures that we used alongside beautiful, arrangements that we put on a fence um, at a place called Revolution Hall here in Portland that was kind of the hub um, of the social justice movement, which is where all of these protests left from. Um, and that was and that was that. That was the first one. You know, uh, it's interesting. The sad, the sad reality that you just described is that so many names, so many lives were lost and their names have never been said out loud and their faces have never been shared while their families are grieving deeply. It's they're so isolated from one another. And so the impact of this monumental, you know, kind of basically genocide that's happening Mm -hmm. uh, against black men and women and children, it's not it's not in your face. And so it's easy to just consider it a, 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 an ins- isolated incident. The yeah. fence cover, the photos are impactful. The fence covering covered with, well, they're like eight by 10 photos, right? And the size, the yeah. size, it, and then it just seems to go on and on. Um, that was a brilliant way to display it because passersby c- couldn't help but stop and look closely at the photos. 
Exactly. And that's exactly what we happen, we had happen. I think when we started putting them up, we knew that the numbers would be impactful. And so when we started researching, we knew that we were trying to get to a number large enough to overwhelm people. Mm-hmm. Um, wow. You know, and so, yeah, so we had that as we started putting them up, you know, there were some people who stood and looked. And as we kept adding, I think their, you know, this experience that they had watching them changed. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's overwhelming. The numbers are are overwhelming. And I think, you know, then we were about 175 at this point, um, through website submissions and, and more research we're at about 300. Um, but we don't, there's no way that we're anywhere close to having all the names. And Um, and we should just say you, you kind of kept it contemporary, right? It's like in the last 50 to 75 years. I mean, it's, I mean, we could go back for a hundred years and never know, you know, exactly. Yeah, no, you're right. I think because we wanted that visual because we needed like photographs of these people, we wanted folks to be able to look in the eyes of their fellow citizens and, and, you know, and not only honor them just by being there, but honor them by looking at them and imagining who is this person and what were they like and what did they hope and dream for, you know? Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, so we decided that we wouldn't include folks um, whose pictures we couldn't find, but we are in the process of trying to come up with a, a creative way that we can we can still honor the other stories. Cause the truth is all these stories are important. They're mm. part of our, our history as a country, you mm. know? So Joy, you've said we a lot. Can you kind of talk about who, yeah. who uh, you brought along with your vision? Because obviously it takes a village. <laughs> Sure, it does. Well, I, I I remember having this crazy idea of doing this thing on the porch of, of my house, um, talking to my sister. And she's like, oh, that's a cool idea. I've got some friends who will help. I'm like, okay, cool. <laughs> and yeah, so we is my sister and I. My sister is um, co-creator um, and the art director. So she chooses all the photographs. Um, we have submissions that come through the website, but she chooses them to try to show their humanity. Um, mm-hmm. There's a lot of pictures that are widely circulated of certain people. Some of those are mug shots, um, you know, uh, unfortunately, and some of them are just not there. They don't humanize the person. Um, and so she wanted to find pictures that were not as widely circulated um, that really showed their personality. So, you know, after after reading bios and reading about these people, she tries to find pictures that that capture their essence. Um, and, and so this, my, this is Elise, Elise, right? Elise, yeah, exactly. Elise Proctor. Um, and we also have a biographer on our team, um, Stacy Fader. Um, and she does all of the, um, she manages the submissions on the website, which is a very heavy, um, important task, but she speaks with family members. Um, she organizes, um, bio writers, um, of which you are one, right? <laughs> I have all, I have volunteered. I haven't gotten my assignment from her yet, but uh, there you I, go. Well, it's coming. <laughs> well, I actually fast forward. We we were both part of a the Kirkland, Washington, say their names memorial installation this week um, that happened on October twentieth, and we knew that there we met through you the family of of a Seattle man who was who was yes. lost to um, law enforcement murder and. Um, yeah. I don't know all the incidents, but I said to Stacy, "Oh, I would love to volunteer to write the yeah. the 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 bio about Shay because I had met his sister." And she said, "You know what? I just posted it." So she'd already, I think, maybe the family submitted a bio. That's, that's, that's what happened. I remember when you said that, and yeah, his sister Davida had this incredible bio already done. Um, 
And we did talk about that a little bit because I know we would have loved to, to have had you do that because of that local connection. But, it's okay. Um, it, I, like I, like I, I sense that there's a many stories that need to be told and it's going to take a lot of writers to participate. So many. Exactly. So yeah, so we have, we do, we have a whole team of writers and volunteers who we're looking for. Um, we have a production um, uh, manager, um, Madeline um, Gallagher, who's amazing. Um, she, um, because we do these memorials nationwide, um, she kind of helps with some of the larger installations. So we have ones that we would call more grassroots, um, which are similar to what we did. Mm -hmm. um, really that we want to be grown in the community, put up by the community. Community. Um, but we do have a plan in future to tour um, more of a memorial exhibit, and she's the manager um, of that. And mm -hmm. so that's that's our basic team. We have an awesome carpenter who helps us, and more art directors. But um, we've got a great great group of folks working on this. It, and everybody's volunteering, and so this is just Correct. from the heart. Correct. Um, well, the way I think that uh, your memorial got on my radar is that at the Bows and Arrows, Adam and Alicia wanted to they're friends of yours and I think a lot of this is kind of spreading through the wedding planner crowd yeah. and connections like people around the country said hey Joy can I do this in my city tell me how that happened yeah correct so after we did that first one we had spent so much time I mean it took maybe four or five days to compile all these names you know into a pdf we sent them to the printer and as soon as we did it and put it up I thought we have this database basically. Why would I not share this with anybody? And so um, I decided that I would just use my Joy Proctor design Instagram and tell people like, hey, you see this? Are you, you know, if you're like-minded, if you believe, you know, in this, this movement, um, I'll send these pictures to you. And so my dear friends, Adam and Alicia, um, who are just rock stars, I mean, they're constantly working for social justice they immediately said yes and um and and put one up um but since they've put like i think they single-handedly have put like eight or nine up um, um in texas and then in georgia also so <laughs> yeah it has been the wedding industry i think because the wedding industry has the access to flowers um but also just the wedding industry that tends to be the the folks that i i'm connected with and so that's kind of yeah that. and you're all kind of can do types like oh how hard can it be we can find a venue and we can you know deploy all these volunteers and it just seems exactly. to it seems to be kind of like putting on a, a, a show and and yeah. we're putting on a wedding it's the same set skill set right you're totally right it's production you know you're producing something I mean this is something that you're moved to produce um, because it's so near and dear to your heart um, so it yeah but you're right it's production for sure well, when we had this Slow Flowers um, member meetup and you graciously joined, because you didn't know who we were, you just graciously joined and went on that Zoom call. And uh, yeah, I appreciate that so much. And Adam and Alicia, t you know, joined as members and they kind of talked a little bit about their what they were doing. That was in the middle of July. Yeah. The whole time that was we were on this Zoom call, Karen Thornton, who is the operations and membership um, and event manager for Slow Flowers, was texting me saying, I want to do this in Seattle. We have to do this in Seattle. <laughs> and again, I think you guys are kindred spirits because you know how to get an idea into a three-dimensional reality. Yeah. And so she just stayed on it. And it, I think she learned it is, it, there's so many moving parts. It, it's hard to make it happen overnight. Yeah, it could have happened in a grassroots way, but, but 
you have to find the venue, you have to find the right partners, you have to um, deploy, you know, have raise funds. And so um, Karen, I'm going to have Karen on to talk about how she uh, did that. But I don't think I I don't think she would have the confidence or the courage if she hadn't had your support. Mm -hmm. Um, Back to your idea of sharing the PDF. It's more than that. You say their names memorial as an organization is providing all the parts that people might need in terms of, you know, just logistical advice to get these, these memorials launched. Right. Yeah, correct. So we do share a Google drive that does have more than just the PDF. It's got um, a liability release. Um, It has information about kind of how it worked for us ideas for um, what might happen if you don't get approval to put it up. but also some other kind of logistical information. Mm. And you're right. I mean, we do want to, you know, be able to have a conversation to support from afar any community um, or organization who decides to put it up. But the truth is like, like Karen found, I mean, Karen probably put countless hours into putting this memorial up in seven, was it six or seven? I think it was at six places of worship. Yeah. In, in Kirkland, Washington. Yeah. I mean, that is a logistical feat right there. (laughs) Um, And it was, it was absolutely incredible. So yeah, so I think there, while we do support from afar, there is a lot of work that's put in by the organizers and the community to get these things. Yeah, boots on the ground. Yeah. Yeah. At one point I said, uh, there's a little mission creep going on here, Karen. (laughs) I think, I think she just, and I'm sure this happens with every wedding you produce. It's like at some point you just have to not fight it, (laughs) right? Like this, this, this force just draws you along um, I, I mean, in, in her case, it was was super positive. I'm sure in wedding, there are things that happen at weddings where you're like, no, 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 I'm the boss. We're not going to do this. But sure, sure. Yeah. Um, but it 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 was it was incredible. I I actually estimated that about two thousand stems of flowers and foliage were donated wow. Wow. from farmers and farmer florists and people's gardens uh, just to. Oh, honor, yeah, honor. Well, with as like little mini bouquets to honor each portrait, but that's really how you originally did it with the roses, right? Yeah, it, correct. We we did do the same thing where we made these little bouquets that we just wanted to, you know, we wanted something like super beautiful for each person. I think that was important, and I know that that's what you did too in Kirkland. Each person had this incredible incredible bouquet um you know if you divide that 2000 stems by you know we were at 200 something people i mean that's it's just really special and it's a really nice way to honor everyone i also think there's something about uh the why this resonates so much i think mainly for for like someone who maybe hasn't done activism before who hasn't protested it's sort of a, a a safe physical gesture I don't know safest in the right word but like it's not it's not scary and have you noticed that I I have and I think one of the reasons why this idea took off um, in the way it did is I think there are so many people who care there's so many people who were who felt the pain um, of the Floyd family, you know, who, who, who realize that this is just such a huge issue in our country, but they don't know the best way to, 
to, um, you know, put those feelings to action. Mm -hmm. Um, and so I think for some folks protesting is the thing, but for a lot of people it isn't. And, And let's be honest. I mean, we, we are fighting a pandemic. Um, and so being in areas where there are thousands of people around you is just not an option for most people. Um, and so I found that children and families, um, really gravitated towards this. I think they felt like it was another way that they could show, um, their support for this movement. Mm-hmm. Um, but in a way that what that worked for them. Um, mm-hmm. and I think there's lots of different ways, um, that sure. people show their support, but this, t- this tended to be a way that worked for a number of people. Mm, that's a really good point. Well, it's going to be up in Washington State in, in Kirkland, uh, which is a suburb of Seattle, uh, through the month of November. So I'll share all those details. But um, Joy's shared lots of photos of other installations, and I'd love to have a gallery on our show notes that people can see and also okay. links to your website. Uh, so I know you've got this website, and it's it, this seems like there's a lot of information people can get, but also plug in, right? Yeah, correct. So our website is, um, it's, you're right that it's kind of the hub of information. So it has a page where people can submit names. Um, there are lots of stories we have, but there's probably just as many more that we don't have. Um, we want to hear about the stories we don't know about so they can be submitted there. Um, but there's also a page that does list all of the names that we have. Um, and for those folks whose bios we have written and up, um, you can click on a picture and you can learn more information about this person. Mm-hmm. Um, we also have links um, to most of the memorials that have been put up around the country. And so it kind of goes through what they've done and who the the donors were, um, you know, and that sort of thing. Um, And there's a bit more information um, there just about how we choose um, the folks that we choose. Mm. Um, And then trying to keep people up to date with a calendar. So they have a sense of what's happening nationwide, how long these memorials are up so they can figure out if they'd like to visit or volunteer. Mm. And your Instagram seems to be a little bit, uh, you know, a little bit more like a snapshot of, of all kinds of activities. So I, I feel like that's another link I want to share with people so they can, um, you know, quickly look at, in, cause you had the Instagram before you had the website, right? Correct. Yeah, we did. To be honest with you, when we started, we really didn't want this to feel like we were, you know, we we were doing this thing and we really wanted it to be about the local memorials. So sure. we were just facilitating that. Um, but I think we found after a while that people wanted to know who was behind this. Um, they just needed more information. And that makes absolute sense. So we, we kind of worked backwards <laughs> and made the website after the Instagram. Yeah. Well, that's a perfect segue to work backwards and talk about Joy Proctor and who is Joy Proctor and your business and your art and your, you know, kind of your past life before 2020. Joy, you describe yourself as a black woman, but you Mm -hmm. are of African heritage. Is that correct? Yeah, correct. I was born in Swaziland, which is now known as Eswatini in teeny, teeny, teeny little country in, in Southern Africa. Oh, my goodness. Oh, wow. And so Swaziland to the US, when did that happen? Um, I moved here, I think when I was about three, my, uh, my father is, he grew up in Southern Oregon in a rural area and he traveled to, um, to Swaziland uh, for, to volunteer for the Peace Corps. Um, and when he was doing that, he met my mom who was from Swaziland. Um, they were both teaching, um, at the time there and met each other and, um, the rest is history. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. So, so it was inevitable that the family would be back in the U.S. it sounds like. 
yeah, I think that he he came back to get his doctorate. Um, mm. and, uh, and, and yeah, we just ended up here um, mm. and have been here ever since. How did you, so did you grow up in, in Oregon then? I, much? you know, in, in some way I can say that I grew up in Oregon because I visited my grandparents in Southern Oregon a lot, but I mostly grew up in California, okay. um, between the Bay Area. My dad went to Berkeley um, and then Santa Barbara. Mm-hmm. Um, where he where he taught um, for a long time and where I grew up um, and and started my business. Um, so I that's hence hence the people always say I have that accent. Hence the accent, <laughs> Southern California well, accent. <laughs> I know I know where you're from because your phone number starts with eight oh five, and I lived in yeah. Thousand Oaks, so I had an eight oh five number for a long time. Yeah. Um, so how did how did your career start? I mean, what did were you working as a florist or working in weddings before you started? Started Joy Proctor Design? Yeah, to be honest with you, no. I um, I got my degree in political science, um, and because I thought I wanted to be an attorney, I went to um, find a job in a law firm while I was in college, um, just so I could, you know, so my application looked great. I started as a courier, and I became a legal assistant, and I think my senior year... Um, I was, you know, as I took the LSATs and getting ready to apply and stuff, my, um, the managing partner at the firm said, you know, if you delay by a year, I'll make you paralegal. Um, and I thought, okay, I'll do that. Um, I was working in a divorce law firm and I wanted to go into social justice or international relations. So it was very different. By that time I had soured on law because family law is just awful. It's it's Um, heart wrenching. (laughs) It, it, it is, is heart wrenching, and, and your name is Joy. Come on, <laughs> that's yeah. not your thing. It was it's, it was really hard. I mean, to be honest with you, it's like I learned a lot about what money gets you and what not having money gets you. You know, and mm. um, and I think so. I said yes um, and didn't go to law school. Um, and I think I decided in that year, being a paralegal, that I did not want to be an attorney. That I knew there were great ways that, 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 um, legal teams helped folks, but that it wasn't my thing. Um, and at that point I had taken one very, very menial, um, kind of freelance job for a huge wedding planner at the time in Santa Barbara. I think I was like unwrapping candles. Like it was something like that. Like I, I walked into it thinking, Oh, I'm going to do all these things and the flowers and the, you know, and I was unwrapping candles in like a basement. <laughs> Um, when I, we'll talk when about I entry level. <laughs> exactly. But I think I realized, you know, I had a number of, I had worked in all sorts of different other ways, but I think I realized there are a lot of folks getting married in Santa Barbara. This is a huge destination and it can't be that hard. Right. So I thought maybe if I leave my paralegal position, I can, you know, put an ad on Craigslist and tell people I'll plan your wedding for free because I don't totally know what I'm doing, but I want to learn and that I'll get some folks and then I can charge almost nothing. You know, once I've, I've learned a little oh my bit. God. Yeah. What, so what year was that? Uh, that was 2007. Wow, Joy. Yeah. You, you know, like fake it till you make it, right? That's that's literally what happened. But man, I learned very quickly. It is a lot of work. Um, and so, yeah, so I did that and I took a part-time job. And, um, you know, once I had enough wedding work, um, when I finally was, I don't know what I was asking for day of coordination, I was like 250 or something just ridiculous. <laughs> doesn't um, even pay for your I, gas. <laughs> I mean, that, that's it, right? And for all of my assistants and what, I mean, it was just crazy. But um, yeah, so I did that and um 
you know, I think I did, I think in the beginning I was doing something like 45 weddings a year or just some crazy number. It was, it was bananas, but I did so many that I learned very, very quickly. Um, and so fast forward from there, I think having done all of these weddings, I finally, you know, I inched my prices up, but I was never involved with the design. I was being hired as a day of coordinator. Um, and I think the turning point for me was when I saw that I wasn't being hired for four seasons or San Ysidro ranch or the Bacara, um, these gorgeous places I wasn't getting weddings at. And I thought maybe it's because I don't have pretty pictures on my site. Um, and so I decided that if I do this photo shoot and I kind of have fake pictures on my site, people will know that I can do weddings as good as the ones at those places. And that was kind of my, um, that was kind of the, the where design um, started for me. Um, it was really just a way by which I could one make more money, money, but two get into these great um, places. Uh, so hmm. yeah, that was the beginning in Santa Barbara. So how many years in of this sort of paying charging this low day rate before you said I need to up my game? Was it like a few years? Uh, I think it was. I think it must have been three or four years. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I, it was, it's not that the weddings were bad. There was nothing, there was nothing wrong, but I do remember that first wedding that I had, I was so excited about how it was going to look. And I asked the the bride about her, um, you know, what, what are your centerpieces going to be like? I was so excited. What flowers are you using? She said, they're going to be tortilla chips. It's just going to be, I'm just going to put, uh, I'm just going to put tortilla chips in the center of the table. <laughs> You're thinking I could do a little bit better than that. <laughs> So, uh, so the styled shoot that you did, um, that is that really when you started going more like having a more of an full aesthetic vision because that's a whole different thing than coordination, which is in the moment. Yeah, correct. No, it gave me the opportunity to think carefully. I mean, I was always hoping my clients would have chargers and would pay for Chivari chairs. And so just throwing those things into the shoot helped that. But you're right. It really, it did give me a a different sense of um, the aesthetic logistics and all of the opportunities in a wedding um, to use, you know, any, any different place um, to kind of create this, this ambiance, this, this, this vibe. Um, so that was the beginning of that. And I think as a result, I started to have more clients ask me questions. Um, what linen should I use? And, um, can I get peonies in August and these sorts of things? Mm-hmm. Um, and, um, then more and more people ask me this information. And I think, you know, it probably took, four years or so of having beautiful weddings and churning out beautiful content. But then people were coming to me and they didn't, they weren't worried about the price. They just wanted to talk design. They just wanted those, you know, those ideas. They just wanted to feedback, you know, on these sorts of things. And so the, the business definitely changed. I mean, 180, um, you know, as a result of, of just design. Wow. So at some point you became, uh, a destination wedding designer. And I feel like that's sort of how people know you now. And uh, that must, that's been many years that you've been been traveling the world producing weddings, right? Yeah, correct. So I think um, maybe in 2011, 2011 or 2012, I had an inquiry 
to style a photo shoot, um, a workshop photo shoot in Italy. And that was my very first opportunity to do something internationally. But I will say before that happened, I did um, an editorial um, that was featured on Stami Pretty where I was very careful to choose everything so it looked like Tuscany. I mean, mm. I was, I, I knew what my goal was. I had wanted to do Destination for so long. And so I was putting it out there and trying and I got this inquiry. And so that was, you know, that, that was really when people, I mean, there really weren't very many workshops at that time. It was really the beginning of workshops. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, and so we, I styled um, a number of shoots for this photography workshop where there were 20 photographers from around the world um, and the pictures went viral. And all of a sudden I had pictures in publications in Germany and in Southern California, New York and Singapore of my work in Italy. Um, and that's basically, um, that was the beginning of my destination work. And then from there I had, you know, I think I just had people connect the dots and I had clients say, Oh, you work in Italy. Well, I'm getting married in France, you know, let's, let's chat. Um, and so that was, that was the beginning of a dream that I had had for a long time. Wow. So how many countries have you worked in? I have heard you've done a lot in Asia too. Yeah. Oh gosh. I, I don't know if I, uh, I can count. I've done, I, <laughs> I, 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 it's not that I can't count. It's just that it would take a, a yeah, um, yeah. You know, I have to think through it, but yeah, I have worked a lot in Asia. I've worked in Thailand, um, and Indonesia, um, both of which I just adore just beautiful places wow. to work, but a lot in Europe, um, um, lots and lots in Europe. So do you consider yourself a floral designer or are you hiring and art directing other designers? That's a really good question. I I consider myself an art director and a creative director. Okay. I am um um to, to to some people like it, some people don't, but I am so hands on. So in many cases, I'm going to the flower market. I'm putting together those orders. Um, I am sitting there when the poor um, poor team who's arranging um, are working and um, uh, micromanaging, <laughs> if you will. So you're um, you're writing the recipe to get to get the team to execute. Correct. Yeah. yeah. And I work, and I work, I work along the, the, you know, whoever's organizing. And so in past, like Alicia and Adam, for instance, we have a great working relationship because I think they um, understand um, and maybe sometimes appreciate how neurotic I am. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I am definitely very, very hands-on while I myself will arrange small things um, for large scale. I, I don't, um, mm. I don't do that. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Wow. That's amazing. So you've, can you name drop a few of the celebrities you've designed weddings for? I think that's like the sizzle that everybody wants to know about. Yeah. Well, I ha- you know, I'm not, I'm not able to say tons. I sure. did, um, a couple of years ago, I did Sophie Turner and Joe Jonas's, um, wedding and I've done, I've, I've had a lot of really, really incredible people. Um, a couple, uh, good, Mer- good morning America hosts and, um, um, and other, other, um, actors and actresses. Um, but you know, the cool thing is, is, is always for me that, you know, I mean, I think it's like, if you really appreciate design and, um, you have someone come to you celebrity or not, and they love what you do and they're vibing on it and they want to do that, you know, create this thing with you. It's like, it's, it's a, it's a very cool opportunity and experience. So yeah, I've, 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 I've been able to work with some, some people who are really well known. Um, and yeah. I only brought that up as a dramatic contrast to the Craigslist ad couple that first yeah. hired you. 
Yeah. That you work yeah. for free. I mean, come, it's, it's, it's just like you have, you put in the hard work, Joy, you know, yeah. it, this didn't happen overnight. And I feel like that's, that's just a truth, a truth in, in small business and being an entrepreneur that you, you mm-hmm. kept building your platform and, and expanding what you, what your vision was for the business. Yeah, you absolutely have to. I think it's, it's kind of a, you know, I see so many folks um, doing educational, um, you know, workshops and stuff and talking to people who are just coming into the industry now. And, you know, not all of them, but some of them are selling this sort of just do this and this and this and you'll make it. But the truth is for any of us who have made it, you know, quote unquote, we, you have to put all the, you have to go through all of the steps. There's no easy, yeah. you know, there's, there's no easy way. So yeah, I definitely, I definitely um, had to do all the things. And I will say too, I think there's, you know, that part of me, the, the doing it for free on Craigslist, I think there's, you know, there's so many different personalities out there and there's not, it's not like I'm the right fit for everybody, but I think um, maybe I'm, um, I don't know. I think that like, that's just me. I'm pretty easy, pleasy sort mm-hmm. of thing Not for some people and it doesn't for other people. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, I think that's just part of the, part of the thing. And I am, I, it is, it is kind of a funny, um, funny start. <laughs> it's a great, it's a great, it's a great origin story. It is. So, okay. So it is, um, October, 2020. I'm just curious, when was the last workshop you taught and when was the last or, or when was the last destination wedding that you, uh, yeah. worked on before you, became a Portlander or port, you know, Portland's your home and you're not going anywhere. Totally. Yeah. So I, um, the last, so in March I was working on a big, um, I was teaching at a, at a, at a big conference. This is right before, um, we all went into quarantine. Um, and I came home from this big conference, the beginning first week of March, and I was supposed to turn around and go to Germany for another huge conference. And I just thought I can't, I shouldn't do this. And these are like wedding design conferences or like industry events. This was, was, yeah, this was like the like German wedding conference. Um, and it, you know, the German, the way the, the German word for wedding is like two miles long. I wish I could say the name of this conference, but it's hooks is something, something, something very, very long. Um, but I just felt awful about not going to it, but I just knew I'm either going to get, I'm going to get stuck. I'm, you know what? I just knew I couldn't do it. And, and from there, you're right. Everything changed. So I had weddings this year, all of which have moved to next year. Um, and I haven't done a wedding since last fall. Oh, Almost a year, almost a year ago then. Yeah, almost a year. So it's, it's, um, you know, this is a huge difference because last year and the, you know, maybe three, four, five years before that, I was traveling so often that I was maybe home for three days, four days, one day sometimes. So it's a stark difference. Mm-hmm. Um, and it took a little getting used to, I got to tell you to, to, to slow down. But it's interesting also that the way the, the way this year went that, and I heard, I've heard this analysis that like the protests uh, against the, you know, the triggered by George Floyd's murder, but also other deaths um, were people had time on their hands to do something to, you know, kind of, they kind of converged the, the lack of travel, the lack of, you know, activity and these radical horrifying events kind of converged to allow things like black, uh, you know, black lives matter movement to grow. And also 
I would say, the Say Their Names Memorial to happen, right? If you've been on the road doing a bunch of weddings, could, could you even have had the space to envision this? Yeah, I think you're totally right. I mean, I think that's, that's, it's definitely, it's such an interesting phenomenon, um, you know, as a result of all of this time and then this horrible thing happening and, and, and this, the horrible thing that happened to him has happened to so many other people and there's Mm -hmm. been outrage, but we very quickly do go back to our normal lives. Um, and in this case, you know, we didn't need to go back to our normal lives and we had the time to do that. So it is, it's just, it's fascinating. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's fascinating. Yeah. Well, I, I usually uh, end my podcast interviews by asking the guests, like, what's on deck? What's coming up? And I don't know if you have any crystal ball. To, I mean, you've like you said, you have weddings that were postponed. But now you've created this amazing organization that is grassroots and has has ambition to, you know, impact more lives. So are you living a parallel, like, planning process in your head as you look look to the future? Really good question. Um, <laughs> How do you with, feel about it today? <laughs> yeah, exa- no, that's the truth because it's constantly changing. Yeah, I mean, I think the truth about, let's at least say the, the events industry, we don't know. I mean, we've not been through this before. Um, we don't know. We don't, as a result of many things, we don't know how where this country is going to be. Um, you know, and so I don't know what's going to happen with mm-hmm. events. I do know that people might continue to have very small events and that we all need to be kind of ready to change um, you know, and, and that the first priority is of course, um, being safe. Um, but I would like to continue doing events. I really do love events. I always loved intimate events. And so, you know, and, and always worried about my couples not being able to be present because there were too many people and too many things and the production was too large. So in some way, I think this is a beautiful way, um, to, make people do that. Um, so I do want to continue to do that, but I do know that I did, I, you know, at the end of every season, I had this existential crisis, which is like, is my life just making pretty things for rich people? Um, and so working on this memorial project, I think is a way for me to spend as much time, you know, in the future, maybe it will be the same amount of time as I'm doing on weddings, but if not more time now than I have in the past on something that feels very important to me mm-hmm. um, and using my skills and my time um, to benefit others. Mm-hmm. So I, I do think that in the future, let's say everything goes back to normal around us. I, I do see myself trying, you know, trying to find a way to do this at least half of the time. I think that's beautiful. And I do feel like there's, um, it's, there's a, a desire and a yearning for balance. We all talk about it, but maybe COVID showed us there is a way to, you know, do both your your passion and your vocation at the same time. Yeah, um, yeah. I know you said that you were hoping that Say Their Names Memorial will become a, a nonprofit, right? Yeah, correct. So we're very close to filing um, paperwork Um, yeah, I think there's just, I think we have dreams of what more we can do with it. I think we want people to visit these memorials, but we really, um, we really want to assist them in what they do next. So, Mm. you know, they, they come upon it and they, they have a certain reaction and I think we want it to spur action. Um, and so we want to make sure that these memorials host town halls and community, um, conversations. Um, and so there is, we need more help. We need more money to get that help. And so becoming a nonprofit will help us, um, Mm -hmm. continue Mm -hmm. that work. That's, that's, that's beautiful because I, I really 
I feel like when you articulated that to Karen and me, I was like, okay, that's the piece that makes these memorials, which are temporary mostly, that's the piece that makes them lasting. Uh, So I really applaud your vision for that because that's hard. That's hard work. That takes professionals to, you know, moderate conversations or to facilitate conversations. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. You're right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. Well, there's a way for people to plug in and get on your mailing list and find out about new other opportunities, right? If they come to the, the website. Yeah, correct. Absolutely. Um, and, you know, for anybody listening, if anybody wants to be a part or has any idea, um, we're always, our email inbox is, is always there and we'd love to, to chat with folks. But yeah, absolutely. Um, we're, we're open. We've got a bunch of information about how to do this and what's happening on the website. So that's the best resource. That's wonderful. That's so great. Joy, thank you so much for sharing your story with us. It's such a treat to get to know you, get to meet in person this week. And um, just, you really were aptly named. You exude joy. And uh, it's just delightful to, it's delightful to see, have you as a model of somebody to emulate in terms of walking the talk and um, showing, showing your values in your work. So I really appreciate that. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. Maybe we can share a few photos of the Joy Proctor design life as well as the Say Their Names Memorial so people can see both sides of your story. Uh, Oh, absolutely. Okay, we'll include those in the show notes uh, at DebraPrinzing.com. Thanks so much, Joy. Yeah, thank you. Oh my gosh, what an inspiring conversation. Thank you so much, Joy Proctor, for your generosity and kindness in sharing your story with us. Thousands have witnessed the memorial tributes to lives lost to systemic racism across our country. What Joy's story reveals is the power of a single idea and the potential of community grassroots action. Next up, I want to share a short interview with my dear friend and colleague, Karen Thornton, owner of Seattle-based Avenue 22 Events. Karen has served as Slow Flowers event manager since 2018, and in 2020, she assumed our operations and membership management. In her consulting business, Karen brings a distinctive and comprehensive skill set to event planning and management. Her background in experience design and business consulting and her ability to execute on detailed logistics help ensure satisfying, meaningful events. Karen deeply understands how to develop engaging programs and invest the effort to ensure that all the event details are in place, from visioning and honing objectives to budget management and marketing to selecting the venue and securing vendors, Karen confidently, competently does it all. Karen has shared photos and a complete list of resources and supporters for the Kirkland Sailor Names Memorial, and you can find that in our show notes for episode 478 at DebraPrinzing.com. Let's jump right in and hear from Karen. Well, I'm very excited to have a bonus interview today with my friend Karen Thornton. And Karen is the owner of Avenue 22 Events. Many of you know her as the operations membership and event diva for Slow Flowers. Hi, Karen. <laughs> Hi, Deborah. 
You're too, I feel like that introduction gets more words associated to it as the months go on. I know yes. we gotta we gotta come up with a simpler <laughs> title. But you have you have been a, a gift to me. Uh, for those of you who have attended the Slow Flower Summit, you first met Karen in 2018 at Washington D.C. or yeah. last summer in 2019. I guess that's over a year ago now in the Twin Cities. So, and yeah. on all the virtual meetups, people have gotten to know you. Yeah, I love seeing connected in that way. So the reason I have Karen on is that she is one of the people who heard Joy Proctor talk about the Say Their Names Memorial when we had Joy on our July virtual meetup for Slow Flowers members um, talking about, and she's a wedding and event planner. Uh, she's not a Slow Flowers member, but she's, you know, in the in the community that we're in with, with mm -hmm. other florists. And um, she was generous enough to come tell us about her project. And the whole, Karen, the whole time I was on with Joy, you were texting <laughs> me saying, I, this is fabulous. So tell us what happened since July to inspire you to bring the Say Their Names Memorial to Kirkland, Washington, which is a suburb of Seattle. Yeah, I, I, I don't remember. I mean, I must have been messaging you during her presentation. I do remember shortly after that starting to think about who I was going to partner with and ask to help to make it happen for sure. So it was a quick evolution. Um, I don't know. I think that, you know, I had been, you know, especially with coronavirus and quarantine, I had just felt like I couldn't get out and do what I would have done otherwise with, um, some of the news that had been, you know, popping up through the spring and summer, especially with George Floyd's death. And, you know, I was choosing to not participate in some of the um, in-person rallies and things like that. Um, and when Joy sort of proposed, I felt like it was a literal proposal to me, like, you too can do this, say their names memorial. Um, but when she was sort of telling us about the logistics and inspiration behind it for her, it just felt totally aligned with something that I could do and feel safe about. And it was, you know, a bit out of my comfort zone because of um, COVID, but all other um, skills needed to pull it off successfully, um, of course, just matched right up with me. So um, it just felt like it was the inspiration I needed to actually finally get out there and do something. I just, I had this feeling gnawing at me for months of like, what are you doing? What are you mm. going to do? What action are you going to take to show the world what you, you know, sort of how you stand <laughs> against this racial injustice? Um, so it was just the message that I needed to hear that day to, to, you know, turn, turn it into action. Mm. Yeah. The physical gesture of, um, gathering portraits of over 240 mm -hmm. men and women who've been, whose lives have been lost to systemic racism and, and racial injustice. Um, it's a pretty heavy task and joy did certainly facilitate that by creating, um, all the, you know, a kind of a repository of the images, mm -hmm. but you're physically, holding those printed photos and sorting them and, and getting them organized and then attaching them to, to fences and adding the flowers. Yeah. Like this was an ambitious undertaking for a number of reasons, but just the gesture, the physical gesture had to have been that, that action that you were seeking. 
Yeah. And to me too, it was part of just sort of bringing myself, my whole self to my sort of Pacific Northwest. Um, I'm a Midwesterner. I'm from a place very near Ferguson, Missouri, where Michael Brown was killed several years ago by Ferguson Police Department. Um, I grew up in a predominantly black neighborhood and went to public schools where I was, you know, the only white kid in the class. Um, And I just have been sort of, especially in the last year, but even though I've lived here for probably 17 or 18 years now. I've just, I've always missed, I've always been aware of me not having the means to sort of bring my whole self to my new community here (laughs) that is not predominantly black. Um, And so this I saw as a means to do that as well, to sort of express myself and um, share some of my story and what I've experienced um, in in this really impactful way that honored the lives that have been lost also, um, you know, the people who are memorialized um, in the Say Their Names Memorial. So yeah, it was just a, it just sort of was a perfect storm and great timing. Obviously, Mm -hmm. I didn't have a lot of events going on (laughs) since Mm -hmm. stay at home um, orders had been in place. So it was a, a great means for me to be able to apply my skills, express myself in a sort of creative mode and honor the lives of people who look just like my friends, you know, growing up. Yeah, there's a lot of pieces there. I think because you are a professional corporate event planner, it wasn't as daunting to you as it would have been to others. Um, I feel like We'll break it down for us because I know people listening, you know, this, this, this is an ongoing project. And uh, I feel Mm -hmm. that without volunteers like you and Adam and Alicia Rico at Bows and Arrows in Dallas and many other people in Joy's network, this wouldn't happen because it's so grassroots. So how did you tackle that? Well, I mean, volunteer management is a huge thing, right? And I do it, I do it for events. So it was an easily, um, you know, it was, it was a skill that I have that I could apply to this. And, you know, this, when I first started this and partnered with um, Father Michael at St. John's Episcopal Church in Kirkland, um, our original intention was it just was, it was just going to be there. And it grew into inviting many other places of worship across um, Kirkland for a variety of reasons. But when that happened, it became a lot more volunteer management than perhaps we had gone into you know, thinking originally, but it it was okay because I've done that plenty of times for um, member-based and volunteer-based organizations that I support through events and and just my community, Mm -hmm. you know, work that I've done over the years anyway. Um, So that for sure is a logistical component that grew over time. (laughs) I remember saying to you, Karen, it's, isn't this like mission creep? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Little scope creep happened, but I mean, I don't know about you, Deborah, when we were there on install day, but Father Michael and I, at one point in the middle of the day, we were like, you know, as crazy as a whirlwind as the last few weeks of planning have been, we both sort of felt like it happened the way it was supposed to happen. You know, like Tuesday when we were there to install, say their names, Memorial, it, it just sort of felt like, yeah, this is how it was supposed to be. So um, we were happy that it got there. But another thing that comes to mind with sort of my event background is being able to um, partner with, you know, vendors and people in the in the area that I partner with on events. So um, Blue Ink um, is a 
sign making and graphic design company that does a lot of event signage. And so I emailed Amanda and she was like, I'm so glad you said this. Immediately got a response like, how can we help? I'm going to make this great. Um, same with our printer. Um, Mike at Woodenville Print is who I use to print, you know, event um, um, collateral. And, you know, he jumped on board to be able to print the photos. So it was just a cool way to partner on a quote unquote event um, that was clearly, you know, values based for all of us in the events industry um, to be able to support and do what we can in, in whatever way. So, and then of course the flowers, you know, yeah. um, you and your connection to the flowers, which are such a huge part of the visual impact of the memorial. Um, you know, it was just great. And to have floral designers who I work alongside for events. So yeah, it just worked out. Karen, let's, um, first of all, you did bring in a lot of your, your sort of your Rolodex, you know, connections. Mm -hmm. uh, let's make a list and share it in the show notes to thank everybody okay. who donated um, their, yeah. their talents and, and their, you know, in, in kind or, or, you know, services. Yeah, um, I appreciate that. I, I will say it's been interesting, you know, we, we also, I, I, you know, drew on my catering and food and beverage um, Rolodex too, as you said. Um, but it was also amazing to hear that when I said, hey, can you deliver cookies and coffee, for instance, for the morning of the installation for volunteers, so many people said, hey, this isn't about us. Like, we're just here, you know, supporting the community and honoring those Black lives who have been lost. So, you know, I, I sort of feel the same about myself. Mm -hmm. It's like, I don't separate Avenue 22 from me, but at the same time, I feel like this was a project that really was a personal project more right. than, you know, I didn't approach it as an event. I just approached it as my community. And yes, some event vendors are part of my community, but um, it was definitely very soulful and genuine and authentic, even from those vendors who did end up participating. No, I hear you. And I, and I, I guess I just want to acknowledge that it takes a village to do yeah, something. And for sure, the way you designed it for your community and your neighbors and yeah, uh, your circle, I think was a gift to allow people to come on and support it. Because like you just said, you wanted to take action and show your, uh, your objections to all this brutality of mm -hmm fellow humans and you have to have some kind of, I don't know, some kind of physical manifestation of that. Yeah. I, the other thing that I think uh, became apparent, you know, well into the planning process is, you know, I'm a very direct, open, um, loud, um, spontaneous, powerful, <laughs> powerful direct person. Um, and so I was willing to jump out and put my name, my personal name and my business name out there. And, and that was fine and great. But regardless of, you know, even um, this sort of values-based stuff of do, do you support <laughs> this memorial or not? I just think that the way that we did the install day at so many locations and how the planning went and, and including other people from all facets, it, al it allowed people to just sort of choose their level of 
involvement. And that that's not to say, you know, there it's a spectrum of support. <laughs> I, right. You know, right. it, it was just a way for people to say, you know, I'm not comfortable because of coronavirus being there on install day. What else can I do? Well, you could go back and check on it, you know, someday by yourself and refresh some flowers if you want. And it just sort of became apparent to me that not everybody is approaching this as loud and proud as I am. Mm-hmm. And, but they still want to be involved and show their support in other ways. So whether it's, you know, throwing 20 bucks at the GoFundMe or, you know, going another day on their own to experience it and maybe refresh flowers or being there loud and proud on the day of install, you know, sharing in the community. It just allowed for a lot of ways for people to choose how they wanted to participate. Well, I just want to mention that you did set up a Say Their Names Memorial in Kirkland GoFundMe account mm-hmm. and your goal was $3,500. It is October 26th and I'm looking at this right now and it, you're $40 to your goal. So yeah. I think that's pretty, pretty yeah. awesome because you're, um, you know, that's been gradually increasing as word has gotten out about yep. this being a Seattle area um, opportunity. So you're, you're being very transparent, posting all your receipts and letting people know what the money is being spent for. If it does go over that goal, you have um, plans to uh, support a, a local nonprofit organization with the excess, right? Yeah, we haven't determined what organization that'll be or organizations, frankly. But um, as that GoFundMe grows, I've just decided to sort of let it remain open through November 30th when the memorial will be available to the public to view and experience. Um, and so if that number continues growing, as, as I hope it will, um, a, a collective of us will just get together and decide on on where to put that money towards a nonprofit that is local. It's important to me that it stays local um, rather than national and, you know, just support a nonprofit organization with a social justice mission. Mm-hmm. That's great. That's awesome. Well, it it was, I have to just say, it was such a meaningful experience to be part of it. Um, just, you know, I obviously will do anything to collaborate with you. We get a lot <laughs> of stuff done when we team up, but this was uh, an opportunity for Soul Flowers to support a cause it cares about. And in doing so, several of our members also participated as volunteers, also processing flowers, collecting yep. flowers, making these mini bouquets. And we made over 400 of the small bouquets. Yeah. yeah. And I I just visited yesterday, um, you know, not quite a week after the install. And even with the frost and the weather and the rain the last several days, it was really amazing to see how great things looked. I mean, they're wilted and they're getting a little, you know, rough around the edges. But um, the brightness of the fall blooms was just really, really impactful. It's like, you know, we saw it on the install day, of course, in its beauty and freshness. But even a few days later, the the visual impact from afar mm-hmm. as you approach each memorial because of the colors, it was pretty, pretty cool to see. That's so. awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and also, Karen, we have so much to, so much gratitude to the, toward the photographer who donated her services. Yeah, Morgan. <laughs> I want to share. I want to, if it's okay, share some of the photos in our show notes. Yeah. And it's so, you know, that's an interesting relationship that just popped up during quarantine times. Um, She, I I don't even know how I I must have followed her on social media or something just as a local photographer. I had actually never worked with Morgan before this project and except for she was offering um, 
quarantine um, front porch sessions for folks in her area. And she was donating the um, her funds from that to um, organizations locally that had a social justice mission. So I knew she would be on board because she was reflecting those values um, as, you know, as a photography business um, through through the stay home, stay healthy order. And so I just pinged her. I think I DM'd her one day and was like, hey, <laughs> I'm going to do this. Do you want to do it with me? And she was like, yes, of course. She immediately responded. So that was just another one of those connections that just sort of happened. And uh-huh. again, I feel so for- like it worked exactly how it should have. She yeah. was just perfect. She turns out she has a photojournalism background. So I think she captured the day in just a really, really great, beautiful way. So do you remember her last name? Um, she goes by, uh, her maiden name, I believe for her photography. Okay. Business. Well, we'll put it in the show notes. We'll give her full credit, but Morgan was awesome. And finally the weather cooperated and we, Oh my gosh, Deborah! <laughs> it's like, talk about my event background. It's like four or five days, six days ahead. I'm looking at the weather and I have friends like texting me and pinging me like, it doesn't look good for install day. Is it going to happen? I'm like, yes, rain or shine, we're going to be there. And then, of course, I um, pinged one of my rental companies and was like, hey, can you get us 12 pop-up tents just in case? And they said, sure. And we had them. And then I coordinated delivery. And then, you know, six locations and all those other tents later. (laughs) And they were just like sitting there day of unused because it was blue sky and no rain and sunshine and it was just so perfect. So, oh my gosh, yeah. but we we couldn't have we couldn't have prevent, you know, predicted that. <laughs> I, I before we close, I just have to say the most meaningful thing in reflection is that at, when it was pretty much every all the photos and flowers had been deployed out to all the six locations, but there was this core team of us at St. John's Episcopal Church with mm-hmm. uh, Father Michael Ryan. Yeah. Uh, you ordered lunch from the caterer who had supported us already. And it was mostly, I think it was all women and Father Michael. Yeah, <laughs> yep. He kind of went into priest mode and started asking us what our deepest, each of us to discuss our <laughs> deepest feeling of, of desire for the day. And I almost got weepy. I mean, it was so Yeah, I mean, I think a few of us did get weepy. I mean, yeah, I, he's... You know, we haven't talked about the partnership that you introduced me to with um, the Kirkland City Council woman who is who then introduced me to Father Michael. And, you know, our intention at the start was not it, it didn't include partnering with churches and places of worship. It just evolved into that as very well-placed, privately-owned land in downtown Kirkland. Um, but, you know, I met Father um, Michael. I think our first meeting was a phone call. And, I, you know, we were definitely sort of poking each other and checking each other out in the, you know, like, how's this going to work? Um, but I think at the end of that conversation of which we challenged each other a few, few go rounds mm. um, about sort of our intentions behind this and stuff. And, you know, I think by the end of that first conversation, I was like, man, this is the right person to partner with in this way. And we just had a lot of shared values. And I knew that we were both going to bring a lot to the table for it. And so then, yes, through the planning process, there's been a few moments where, um, you know, he's he's put I don't think you can separate yourself from that's his calling right (laughs) (laughs) um but he does it in such an amazing genuine way you know um and so yeah that was a really cool conversation that came out of it and frankly what I would like for 
is for to you know to have happen for more of us with the memorial is like why are we all standing here or why are we scrolling through these photos on the website or whatever and to mm-hmm. be able to have more dialogue around it is really the intention behind it i even posted on linkedin um, about the memorial the other day and everybody's thumbs upping and liking it which is great but I wish there was more willingness or the ability to have more dialogue also um, so I don't know if that can happen um, anyway but in person like we mm-hmm. were sort of all mm-hmm. socially distanced but circled up you know facing each other face to face and in a moment like that yeah. so it was profound. It really was. And I thank you for allowing me to be part of it. And also for telling the kind of the boots on the ground way that this thing gets uh, executed, because now we'll, mm-hmm. we'll are also our listeners today will hear from Joy Proctor, um, who really, I don't think could have predicted when she did her first installation in June, yeah. that it would have this amazing ripple effect and, and, and touch so many people's lives in protest uh, to brutality against black people. So, yeah. Um, and I think the last thing I would say about that is, you know, I was ready to ready and rearing to go, like I said, in July to do this. And I thought that I was just going to find a place, choose it and do it. Um, but the process became slowed down when we, you know, brought so many other people and groups on board and it worked out as it was supposed to, as I've said, but What I would say to any of you who are like, oh, George Floyd, you know, his death was, you know, however long ago now, or Breonna Taylor or whoever, um, you know, my response to that and what I kept telling myself the last few months of planning is it's never too late. It's never too late to memorialize and honor these people. And it's never too late to take your stance and show your stance to your community and to bring more people on board to have, you know, to facilitate dialogue about about systemic racism in your community. I mean, it's it's not too late. It's never too late. So if you're thinking about doing it, I would say just go for it, no matter when you're listening to this. Mm. That's great. And I'll, I'll share as many links as, as possible on in our show notes for today's episode at deborahprinzing.com that will help, uh, you know, provide some of those resources and uh, additional information for anyone listening who's who's intrigued, including I think I'll add the link to the um, Zoom meeting we had with Joy Proctor and Adam mm. and Alicia Rico um, yep. back in July, because that that was pretty, that was pretty fresh. They had just done their installation in Dallas when, when um, I asked uh, Adam and Alicia to join Joyce. So I think that'll be very insightful for people too, just to get a snapshot of what it takes. And um, yeah, and I would say you don't have to be an event planner to do it. Um, (laughs) I don't want anybody to feel like that. I mean, if you, if you are feeling like you want to do it, I just go for it. And it's, it looks different in every community because each person who does it is unique and and it's and that's okay joy provides a lot of resources um but you can make it what you want to otherwise so that's great karen thank you so much this has been really helpful and it's just amazing to kind of relive it all with you again just now yeah uh literally six days ago that we did this and um, i'm gonna go out and see the um memorial uh on this this friday again so um yeah Maybe I'll bring a couple extra buckets of flowers to refresh if there's any tired ones. But, you know, even Joy talked about the kind of the the poignancy of this, how flowers, you know, fade after they've been cut. So, yeah, I think it's an evolution of it's, you know, it's a it's sort of a living memorial in a way, which is um, 
pretty profound in a lot of ways <laughs> for yeah. this type of memorial. And yeah. and yeah, the wilting of the flowers is part of the evolution of it. Great. Thanks, Karen. Thanks. Thanks so, so much for being present with me for these two important conversations. It means so much that Slow Flowers as a community provides us these diverse channels for advocacy, education, outreach, and activism. And the conversation will continue, of course, as we move into 2021. Our next sponsor thank you goes to Mayesh Wholesale Florist. Family owned since 1978, Mayesh is the premier wedding and event supplier in the U.S. and we're thrilled to partner with Mayesh to promote local and domestic flowers, which they source from farms large and small around the U.S. Learn more at mayesh.com. Hey, it's your final chance this week to enter the generous course giveaway offered by last week's guest, Ellen Frost of Local Color Flowers. Ellen is giving a complimentary registration to her new online workshop, Growing Your Business with Local Flower Sourcing, to one listener of the Slow Flowers podcast. The six-week course begins January 4th, 2021, and the course value is $495, so it's a generous giveaway. To enter, make a comment in the show notes at deborahprinzing.com for episode 477, that's last week's episode, and be sure to listen to my conversation with Ellen while over there, and tell us one of your favorite ways to source locally grown flowers. All comments posted by Midnight Pacific on Sunday, November 8th, will be entered into a random drawing for Ellen's course. And for everyone else, click on the link I'll share to sign up for notifications when registration opens November 16th through 20th. I'm excited for the winner already. The Slow Flowers podcast has been downloaded more than 655,000 times by listeners like you. Thank you for listening, commenting, and sharing. It means so much. As our movement gains more supporters and more passionate participants who believe in the importance of the American cut flower industry, the momentum is contagious. I know you feel it too. I value your support and invite you to show your thanks with a donation to support my ongoing advocacy, education, and outreach activities. You can find the donate button in the column to the right at deborahprinzing.com. Our final sponsor thanks goes to The Gardener's Workshop, which offers a full curriculum of online education for flower farmers and farmer florists. Online education is more important this year than ever before, and you'll want to check out the course offerings at gardenersworkshop.com. I'm Deborah Prinzing, host and producer of the Slow Flowers Podcast. Next week, you're invited to join me in putting more American-grown flowers on the table, one vase at a time. And if you like what you hear, please consider logging on to iTunes and posting a listener review. The content and opinions expressed here are either mine alone or those of my guests alone, independent of any podcast sponsor or other person, company, or organization. The Slow Flowers Podcast is engineered and edited by Andrew Brenlin. Learn more about his work at soundbodymovement.com. Thank you.